0: Welcome to the Growing With Nature podcast. I'm your host, Darren Williams, permaculture enthusiast, restoration ecologist, and founder of Growing With Nature. Too often, we hear that the best thing we can do for nature is to leave it alone. But people are a part of nature, and you can make the living world around you come alive with abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, even in your own backyard. Join me on a journey through regenerative soil building, permaculture, restoration ecology, and more. To learn concrete steps you can take at home to support wildlife, grow incredible, delicious food, and help heal our living world right in your own backyard. Ready to get started? Grab a shovel, roll up your sleeves, and let's make the living world around you come alive. In this episode, we're going to look at how to attract birds to your property. You know, there really is something special about getting to see and hear birds that are just right outside your window. And then to step out your door and hear them singing, and then seeing them dancing around your shrubs and trees. You know, birds are just a core part of an abundant landscape. They really do add something special. So let's look at what it takes to attract them. Often when people want to attract birds, you know, they put up a bird feeder. But this will only go so far, because it's not the only thing that birds need. Birds also need cover, and they need water. You know, a bird feeder out in the middle of a field with no cover and no water will attract far less birds than the same feeder with some nearby shrubs, trees, and a source of water nearby. And a feeder isn't even the best way to provide food for most of our songbirds. If you really want to support a diversity of songbirds, then you have got to support the insects that they rely on to feed their young. You know, chickadees, for example, will feed 6,000 to 9,000 caterpillars to their young to get them from hatching to fledgling. You know, so if you don't have those insects, you just won't have the birds. And just want to say, if you want to learn more about how many caterpillars it takes to feed baby birds and get access to other resources that I'm going to discuss in this episode, then like always, make sure you check out the show notes. There's a link in the description. You know, so if you really want to attract birds, you've got to give them three things. You have to give them cover, food, and water. And for food, a feeder isn't enough. So let's look at the best ways to provide birds what they need, to provide them with cover, food, and water. And if you like what you hear today, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us, people like you who want to bring these skills home to enjoy wildlife, grow more food, and help heal our living world. Okay, let's get started. So, you know, the first time I ever read that it takes over 6,000 cattle to feed the young from one chickadee nest, it was really hard to imagine how that was possible. You know, especially when you realize that most other songbirds also rely on similar number of caterpillars to feed their young. You know, just how are there that many caterpillars? You know, you don't see all those caterpillars when you're looking around uh, your backyard. You know, we, we just don't see them. And so it really is kind of amazing to think that just for one nest of baby chickadees, that those little babies are going to need 6,000, over 6,000 caterpillars just to grow up. And, you know, it's always, it's just amazing. And, you know, it was really hard to understand how this was possible. But really what it comes down to is, you know, a lot of caterpillars are very small. You know, most of them don't get very big. And they're also very good at hiding. You know, a lot of them, hide during the day and they come out at night there and they blend in with the leaves that they're on you know they're they're camouflaged and you know make kind of makes you feel a little sorry for the little for the songbirds um you know sometimes they look almost frantic you know dashing through our hedgerows and it makes a lot more sense when you know that they need to literally catch hundreds of caterpillars every day during the nesting season And that is the key. You know, you really have to create the habitat for those caterpillars in order to attract the birds. You know, if if you don't support the caterpillars, you don't get the birds. And on our property, we've really done this through our hedgerows and thickets. But even a standalone tree can help. But it has to be the right type of tree. It really does need to be a native tree. So let me explain why. You know, one night I went out with my headlamp to look at some of our native cascara trees. The leaves of these trees had been being eaten by something, but I couldn't find the culprit during the day. So I was out at night with my headlamp, staring at the leaves. And what I saw were a bunch of these little green caterpillars. Now, I'm not a bug expert, but I took a lot of pictures, and eventually I was able to ID the caterpillar. It turns out that they were all the caterpillar of the American tissue moth. This little, unremarkable moth, you know, one of thousands that are out there. But this little moth is just like the monarch butterfly. It's reliant on a very specific group of plants for their caterpillars. In this case, the cascara tree and just a couple other native trees, including our native hawthorn. And the tissue moth and the monarch aren't unique in being so picky. Most plant-eating insects, roughly 90%, are picky. They, these picky insects, they need all they have to feed on only a few specific types of plants that they've co-evolved with, and most of the time that means native plants. You know, if I had planted non-native ornamental trees instead of the cascara, we wouldn't have any American tissue moths. And not just the tissue moths. A single cascara tree can support twenty different species of picky caterpillars. But you know what? our willows? You know, we're in Western Washington, it's a wet area. Willows are fairly are you know fairly common. We have multiple species. And because of that, a lot of species have evolved to take advantage of them. And that means that our willows are far better at supporting a wide range of caterpillars than even our cascaras. So the willows, for example, can support 339 different species of picky caterpillars. That really is amazing. And some of these uh, when I look these up. A lot of them, you know, they rely on one or two plants and the willow is one of them. And without those, without planting those willows or the cascaras, you know, you wouldn't have any of these caterpillars. And, you know, if you want to learn more about this and learn more about which native plants support the most caterpillars in your area, then, you know, make sure to check out the resources section of the show notes. There's a link in the description. But in many areas, it's going to be oaks, willows and prunus, so like the um, cherries, things like that, that tend to support the widest range of picky insects. And, you know, because 90% of planting insects are picky and rely on a handful of native plants, you can't support those insects unless you plant native plants. You know, non-native plants just don't cut it. And, you know, you'll, you'll support those 10% of planting insects that are generalists, but you're missing out on 90% of them. So, the first thing you can do if you really want to attract birds is to start planting native plants. And all those native plants, you know, they're supporting the caterpillars, which will help provide food uh, for the baby birds and will help increase the population of songbirds. But you also have to provide cover for the birds. And the native plants are a big part of this. You know, every tree, shrub, even smaller plants that you plant, all those will provide cover. And, but the thing is, you get the best bang for your buck if you plant them in a specific way. So while you're planting those native plants, consider planting them close together so they form thickets or hedges. And you know, in next week's episode, we're actually going to dive into hedgerows and how you can get started with them. On our property, we've got over 300 feet of hedgerows planted, and we have hundreds more feet of hedgerows planted. But even two or three native shrubs, along with a couple native trees planted together, can form a really nice dense thicket. And these thickets can provide cover for birds, you know, cover for nesting, protection from predators. And they can even protect birds from rain and provide shelter from the summer heat and from, you know, cold winter storms. You know, especially if you add a couple evergreens to the mix. You know, these are plants that keep their leaves through the winter. You know, they these when you have evergreen cover for the plants it just it really helps really helps throughout the year. And, you know, we always see birds in our hedgerows. You know, these birds love, just love to dance through our hedgerows. You know, they're always on the lookout for food or just taking shelter, but there's always birds in our hedgerows. You know, one of my favorite memories was going outside early morning when there was still some water pooled up on some of the leaves in our hedgerows. And I remember watching a hummingbird taking a bath in a small pool of water that had collected on the at the base of the leaf of one of our native osso berries, just this little pool of water, and the hummingbird would take a bath in one pool, and then go over to the next one and take a bath in that. It was just really amazing to see, you know, how the how how the wildlife in this case a hummingbird use our hedgerows, and you know, these days we always have hummingbirds buzzing around our hedgerows, along with an ever increasing number of other birds. You know, we had some quail show up for the first time this year. It just really is amazing just to see how much, how many birds we get. Um, so if you can plant a thicket or hedgerow, it really does help. You know, because without cover, the birds won't feel safe spending time on your property. So if you want to attract birds and make sure that they, you know, actually stay, then you got to plant some native shrubs, trees, and if you can, a few evergreens. And if possible, you know, make sure to plant them close together to form a thicket when they're fully grown. And also, you know, of course, make sure to tune in next week to check out the episode all about hedgerows. But food and shelter isn't enough. You know, I mentioned the water pulling up on the leaves. You know, you do need to provide um, water for your birds, too. Without water, and especially in the summer, you know, they're just not going to be able to stick around um, that much. So, you know, the last thing you really need to do is to provide the source of water. And in a lot of ways, this is one of the easiest steps to take because a bird bath can go a long way to providing water f- for your birds. But you know, you really have to make sure to keep it clean and filled up because they really can go dry quickly in the summer months if they're very if they're not very big. And if you got the space, you know, consider building a small wildlife pond. On the north side of our kitchen garden, we've actually put in a small wildlife pond that's filled with native plants along with a native meadow that's planted around it. You know, we've also added a bunch of logs, rocks, and even a couple snags around this wildlife pond. And the result is a fantastic little water feature that birds and other wildlife just love. You know, I often look out and see birds visiting it, getting a drink, taking a bath, just hanging around looking for food in the meadow there. They really love that area. And if you've got some naturally wet areas on your property, you know, look at turning those into functional wetlands that can really support birds and other wildlife. You know, this is, can be done by planting willows or other, you know, wet loving plants and just really, you know, making it into a great area that can support uh, wildlife. You know, depending on how wet it gets, you might even start getting ducks and geese and other, you know, water birds coming in. We have some areas like that on ours. You know, we've got um, along with our wildlife pond, we, you know, like I mentioned, we do have some restored wetlands and we often see ducks there and we've even had a few great blue herons starting to show up. And, but you know, despite having, you know, these ponds and the, you know, and the wildlife pond and all this, you know, but we also do have a little bird bath. The bird bath is in our front yard uh, where we don't have other sources of water for the birds. And the birds love it. You know, they're always there. And that's, a, it really is a great feature to have. And we made ours, you know, really cheap just by getting a large ceramic base for a pot. You know, you can buy these at the box stores. They just, They're just these ceramic base. They don't have a hole in them. They're meant to catch the water that drains out of big pots. And we got one that was blue that looks nice. And we just sat it down on a big piece of wood. You know, just a round piece of wood that we have there. And, you know, that's all tucked in uh, amongst a bunch of native plants. You know, we've put in a couple snags around it. And we made a log pile that animals can kind of walk across to get up to easily get to the bird bath. And it's been fun, you know. I'll look out my front window and I'll see little, you know, towies, a uh, native um, kind of forest bird, running along those logs and then hopping up into our bird bath to get a drink or to take a bath. And then they jump out and they run back across the logs. You know, they just really love that and it really makes them feel at home. You know, birds are always visiting our bird bath, and so you know whether you've got room for ponds or just you know space for a small bird bath. You know, providing water really is a fantastic way to attract birds um, to where you live. So if you do all this, if you do these three things, you really can create a little paradise for your birds. You know, often the landscapes these days around where we live isn't that great for the birds. But if you, you know, if you provide them cover, food and water, they're going to show up. They're going to love it and they're going to be there and you're really going to get to enjoy them. But it's not, you know, as we mentioned, it's not just planting any plant. You really need to plant native plants. You know, songbirds, they need caterpillars to feed their young. And the caterpillars need native plants. Without native plants, you're going to have far less caterpillars. And because of that, you're going to have far less birds. And, you know, the caterpillars that the birds don't eat, those are going to grow up to become butterflies and moths. I know, personally, I would be quite sad if my property didn't have butterflies or moths uh, fluttering about. You know, I want those too, just like I want the birds. So I'm going to support them both because I want a landscape filled with wildlife. And you know, all this just goes to show how interconnected nature is. When you plant native plants, you support those picky insects that co-evolved with them. And in turn, you support the birds and other wildlife that rely on those insects. And the same hedges that you can plant to support birds, you know, they're going to help other wildlife too. And all this is interconnected, and when you do this, this is how you cultivate abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, by providing habitat, you know, food, cover, and water for all wildlife. And if you want to get started with this, you know, try planting a couple native shrubs, and perhaps a small native tree. You know, plant them together so they'll form a a thicket when mature. Add some logs and rocks, and place a bird bath next to them. You know, try adding a birdhouse on one of the snags or on a nearby post. The result will be a little bird paradise filled with caterpillars, with water, and cover. And it won't take long for the birds to start showing up. And don't stop there. You know, the more you can do, the better, and the more birds you will attract. And make sure you stay tuned for our next episode, you know, next week, where we will look at hedgerows and how you can get started with them. And these hedgerows, you know, we're going to dive into them, what it takes to plant them, you know, some tips about that. And that's really going to help you get started with them. And, you know, hedgerows bring a lot of benefits to your property. But, of course, one, of the, one great benefit is they also support your local birds. So let's work together to heal our living world. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And thank you for listening to the Growing With Nature podcast. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons over on Patreon.com. Thank you patrons for supporting our work and if you like what you hear please leave a review on apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen your review will help more people find us people like you who want to bring these skills home to support wildlife grow food and help heal our living world well that's all for now see you next week same time same place have a great week and keep on growing